Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. Go to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2. So listen, this month is the month of vision. We're going to talk about vision, the theme, the focus, what God is doing at harvest, what God is going to do. The Bible said without vision, the people perish. So we have to have a vision from God uh, to do the work of God with the people of God. And that's going to happen. But even on Friday, I was, I've been working on my sermon earlier in the week. And I'm like, all right, we're going to, you know, contend for the kingdom of God. We're going to advance the kingdom. And on Friday afternoon, the Holy Spirit paused me. He said, yes, you will, but give me a moment because I need to speak this to, uh, to the people of Harvest. So if you're here, if you're watching online, This is a Holy Ghost-inspired message. Now listen, the Lord is always concerned about getting us where we need to go, even if we don't know we need to go there. Amen? Amen. So I want to give you this message. This was an audible from the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, if if you got an issue, don't email me. You can email Pastor Gary. (laughs) Praise God. You know, he did put his email on the screen. Oh, you could talk to the Holy Ghost about it, but I mean, you know, don't don't send me an email. I'm just saying, don't don't send Pastor John an email. But God's trying to bring us into a place of true and real breakthrough. Amen. Amen. And I feel like this message is removing the roadblocks to breakthrough in our lives. I'm going to read this scripture, and then we will... We'll pray and we'll move into the message. But the title of today's message is called Offended by Christ. Offended by Christ. How is that possible? I'm going to show you how it's possible to be offended by Christ. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2. If you don't mind, actually stand up with me as we read the word of God. And then we'll move in. Matthew 11 verse 2 through 6. It says, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said to him, speaking of Jesus, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things that you've heard, that you hear and you see. He said, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. In verse 6, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Father, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I ask you to move in a powerful and a glorious way. I'm asking you, Lord, to touch the hearts and the lives of your people. I ask that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would enlighten the eyes of their understanding, give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to perceive what you're speaking, what you're saying, and what you're doing. I believe, Father, that you're going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine, and you are going to touch our lives and bring 
transformation. You've established the word of God in the heavens. Now establish it in our hearts and remove every stumbling block, remove every hindrance and every roadblock that's keeping us from walking, living, and moving in the fullness of you. So bless your people today, Lord God, and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and what I communicate to your people in person and online, Father, be pleasing to you. Have your way in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning about being offended by Christ, being offended by Christ. You know, it's so easy to become offended with people when someone says something that we don't like or someone approaches us or deal with us in a manner that we don't really care for. It's easy for us to get offended. And let me just tell you this, uh, let go of offense. Stop being offended with people. There's so many things to be offended by. You know, I heard through the grapevine, and I'm not one to spread rumors or gossip because I'm not a gospel or a rumor spreader, but I heard that there are some people that love the Seahawks that was offended by the 49er fans. <laughs> and then I heard the Cowboy fans were offended by the 49er fans when they got beat, right? But then, oh, it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. Then the 49er fans got offended by the Eagle fans when they lost. <laughs> so as we were fasting and praying, we were binding all these spirits of offense that was happening over the last two or three weeks. And it's so easy to be offended by people and things and situations. But what about when we're offended by the one that created us, the one that formed and fashioned and molded us in our mother's womb? What about when we're offended by Christ? Many of us have fasted and prayed, and we've seen testimonies, people saying, well, I got my breakthrough. I got my healing. God brought me closer to him. And all of these things were happening in the lives of other people. But you're saying, well, God, what about? me. I prayed, I fasted, I committed, I participated, I read the book, I read what Pastor John asked me to do, I was there for the prayer times, and you did not answer my prayer request. I didn't see the breakthrough that you promised me I would have, and it's easy in this moment to now become offended with Christ because Christ didn't do the thing that you expected him to do. Mm. Mm. What about me, Jesus? I prayed. And I want to ask you, how do you respond when you're not getting what you thought you should have gotten based upon your circumstance? See, it's one thing when you're not getting what you desire because you're disobedient. It's one thing when you know you're not doing right and you're not getting what you, what you desire. But what about when you're doing the right thing? What about when God says go and you went? What about when God says do this and you did it, but you're not seeing the breakthrough that you expected or you anticipated? What do you do when you've done the right thing and it's not happening? But I want to tell you and I want to submit to you, this is a testing of your faith and a testing of your commitment. Because the real level of spiritual maturity that God's trying to bring us into is can you do the right thing even when you're not seeing the reward for doing the right thing? Can I continue to pray when I'm praying but God's not answering my prayers? Will I continue?
continue to bring my tithes and offerings and I'm still struggling financially and my job hadn't come through yet and the phone call hadn't come yet for the employment. Can I still believe God when I'm praying for my kid or my family member or my lost loved one and I've been praying and I've been fasting and yet it seems like they're getting worse? Can I stay committed to the cause when I'm not seeing the desire that I want to see from the cause? This is the testing of your faith. And this is the same place that John found himself in. Amen? So who is John the Baptist? Who is this character in the Bible? Some of us know him well, and some of us may not be so, so familiar. But John the Baptist is the oldest, older cousin of Jesus. His mother was Elizabeth, and she came to marry the mother of Jesus, and they were pregnant at the same time. The life of John the Baptist was prophesied 700 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah. He spoke, and he said that there's one who's coming in the wilderness who will prepare the way of the Lord he was prophesied his life was a fulfillment of scripture he was the one who was the, the the forerunner for the Messiah all of these things that he was called to do and called to be John was true to his assignment look at somebody next to you say he did what he was supposed to do he was true to his assignment he did what he was put here on the earth to do John even baptized, water baptized Jesus. And he set into motion thousands of years of prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy. He was a person who said that I must decrease so that Jesus can increase. Hmm. He was loyal, dedicated, faithful, and unyielding in his commitment to complete his assignment. Everything that God asked John to do, he did it. Everything. Not some things, not most things. Every single thing that John was put on the earth to do, he did it. And yet, <laughs> he still found himself in a dilemma, in a pickle, in a situation. Look at someone next to you say he was in a situation. As he was faithfully committed to doing what God asked him to do, he preached to Herod and said, you should not be with your brother Philip's wife because Herod, the spirit of perversion in that day was so out of control that Herod took his brother's wife and then married her and started his own little family situation. And John, being a man of righteousness and truth, confronted Herod and said, you're wrong. And as a result, he was imprisoned for doing the right thing. Has anyone in this place ever been persecuted because you were doing the right thing but got the wrong result who am I speaking to today you've been going to your job you've been faithful you've been committed you've done what your employer has asked you to do you've taken care of everything they've asked you to take care of and then all of a sudden you're getting pink slips and write-ups and you're saying where is this coming from what's the inspiration of this because everything they've asked me to do I've done it this is John operating doing the right thing but getting the wrong result because he had the dilemma 
He fought against injustice, but he had the book thrown at him. And sometimes when you call out your haters, you get kicked in the pants because what the haters want to do is drag you down. And yet John prevailed and still preached righteousness and truth. John had a dilemma. But it didn't stop there. In his dilemma, he figured Jesus, my cousin, my brother, my, the one that I, I have been in covenant with since the time we were babies. Listen, you might have been good friends with people for a long time, but you hadn't been in covenant since you was in the womb with somebody. Come on now. Elizabeth and Mary were pregnant at the same time. And the Bible says that when Mary went to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and Mary greeted her, that John in the womb, the, the baby leaped. Come on, there was something so deep and so intertwined between John and Jesus. And now in this season of John's life, he's saying, Jesus, I did what I was supposed to do. So now I'm expecting you to come and do what you should do because of our relationship. Have you ever been close to somebody and you knew they had the power to do the right thing but still chose not to do the right thing? Mm. John was fully aware of what Jesus was capable of doing. He knew Jesus had the power to shift his situation. John's in jail, he's in prison. And during this time, he's beginning to increase in the spirit of hopelessness. He's beginning to see that his situation is getting worse and worse. And he felt like he had a right to ask Jesus to come and rescue him. I want to give you a couple of things that John did for Jesus while he was calling in a favor. Number one, this is what John did for Jesus. First of all, he fought against the religious establishment that would oppose the ministry of Jesus and called them to repent and turn to Jesus as the Messiah. The second thing that John the Baptist did is he baptized many of his countrymen and pointed them to Christ. The third thing he did is he decreased his ministry and he sent most of his disciples over to Jesus and started sending them to follow Jesus. He said, listen, I'm actually going to decrease my ministry and elevate your ministry, Jesus, so that everything the Father has said should happen can come to pass. I'm putting all of my eggs in this one basket called Jesus and the ministry of the Messiah. I'm giving everything to you, Lord. The fourth thing that he did is he baptized Jesus and set in motion thousands of years of prophecy. He put those things into action. If John does not come, Jesus cannot do what he was called and created to do. The fifth thing John did is he defended Jesus and called out anyone who opposed him. He called the religious community a brood of vipers. He confronted them. He called them out. He said, you are not down with the purposes of God. He confronted the religious establishment that was set against the purposes of Jesus. And number six, he even prophesied about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would come through the ministry of Christ long after his death. 
He said, there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, but he will, ba I baptize you in water, but Jesus, the Messiah, will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He was 100% committed, dedicated, down with, totally invested into the ministry and the life of Jesus. And he knew that Jesus had the power to deliver him. And while he is sitting there in prison, weeks are turning to months, and months are expanding, even pushing into a year. And in this point, he's saying, okay, Jesus, I've waited. I've been patient. I know you're going to come and rescue your boy. Where are you at? Come on. Jesus and then he sends his disciples because he hits a point of hopelessness that is so deep and dark that he even questions who Jesus is because if Jesus was really who he said he is at this point he would have already come to rescue me And he was fighting with the temptation of being offended by the very one he was called to serve. Mm. Jesus, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? Because based upon my track record, you should have been here already to rescue me and pull me out of this prison. Yeah, for real. How many times do we say, Lord, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've pleaded, I've stayed faithful for decades. I've done everything you've called me to do, and I still have not seen the promise and the fulfillment that you've given me. Where are you, Jesus? Mm. But this is the test of faith. Let me share with you John's mistake. John's mistake. The mistake that John made was this. John allowed his circumstance to dictate his attitude about who Jesus is, number one. And number two, John allowed people to speak into his ear and make him question the thing that he knew in his spirit was true. John allowed people to speak in his ear to cause him, people to speak in his ear to cause him to question what he knew was true. I can imagine in this moment that the disciples and the followers of John who's uh, uh, visiting him in prison, and they're coming to him, and they're saying, you know what, uh, uh, John, you know, Jesus should have been here already. Uh, you know, at this point, if he really is your cousin and you did everything that he told you to do, he should have come here. And I can imagine them saying things like, John, I can't believe that Jesus is leaving you hanging. I can't believe that at this point, he's not arrived. He hadn't even come to visit you, let alone rescue you and deliver you. But he could at least at minimum showed up and gave you a complimentary visit because of who you are and how faithful you've been to his cause. John, 
You've done so much for Jesus. If it wasn't for you, Jesus wouldn't even have a ministry. You surrender your ministry to lift up and promote the ministry of Jesus. I can't believe you've done so much for him, and he's still not helping you out. He's listening to the voice of doubt and questioning. He's listening to the people that's causing his mind to shift away from his purpose and question the very one that he is called to serve. I can imagine his disciples saying, John, John, or how dare Jesus take control of the spiritual atmosphere of Israel and not include you in his plans? <laughs> John, you should have been the right-hand man of Jesus. Peter, John... James needed to get out of the way. It should have been John the Baptist. He really should have been the guy. But I want to tell you this. Be careful whom you let speak into your ears. Because people can cause you to stumble by pumping your mind with nonsense, no matter how well-meaning they may be. The last thing that you need around you when you're struggling in your heart is someone to start chirping in your ear and telling you things that make you confirm your doubts and cause you to question what you know God spoke to you in secret. Amen? Amen. John had a revelation of who Jesus was. Jesus even said, there is no one greater born amongst men than John the Baptist. This guy knows who I am. But because he had wrong information coming into his ear in the time of doubt, he questioned the very thing that he knew by revelation from God. It was a test of his faith. And unfortunately, if we're going to be totally honest, John failed the test. He failed the test. He didn't fail the test because he wasn't capable of passing it. He failed the test because his expectations did not line up with his reality. His expectations did not line up with his reality. You know what blew me away when I was reading through this? Mary and Martha sent for, Je sent for Jesus to come heal their brother Lazarus. Lazarus did absolutely nothing for Jesus. He was just a good friend. They just broke bread. They went to Starbucks. They drank lattes together. <laughs> they were eating dumplings off of uh, Laguna Boulevard. <laughs> they had some West Coast sourdough bread. I mean, they were, I mean that was his homie. But Lazarus did nothing to help the ministry of Jesus. John the Baptist sacrificed and gave his life so that Jesus could be where he is. And Jesus went and resurrected Lazarus from the dead and left John in prison even to the point of death where he was beheaded. You telling me that won't mess up your mind and your heart concerning Christ? But it was a test, and here's the test. Are you committed to Christ for what he can give you, or are you committed to him because you love him and you are down for the cause? That's the test. That's the test. Will you stay with 
me when you don't get from me what you want from me? Are you only in it for what you can get from me? That's the test. John, you're questioning me because you thought I should have rescued you from prison by now, and I haven't. Are you still committed to me, or will you doubt me, John? And that's why Jesus told his disciples, the disciples of John, go tell them what you see. The dead are raised, the sick are healed, the lepers cleansed, blind eyes are opened. The gospel is being preached to the poor. Now go back and report to him what he already knows. He knows this already, but just reaffirm to him in this time of doubt that this thing is real. You want to know what real maturity is? I want to give you the measuring stick for real spiritual maturity. Can you stay connected with God when God isn't responding and answering you the way you thought he was supposed to? I started in 1999 fasting and praying for revival in the city of New Orleans. We would go out to the streets of the French Quarter and reach out to the gutter punks. That's the, the terminology they use, the gutter punks. That was the grunge community in New Orleans, very prevalent. We would go out to the gutter punks and the witches and the warlocks and the, the tours. We would preach the gospel, street preach. We'd be on benches in the French Quarter, open-air preaching in the French Quarter, 99, 2000. Then we'd become the youth pastors at House of Prayer. Then we'd become the senior pastors in 03. And we're contending, we're fasting, we're praying. We're doing 21-day fast. We're fasting, we're denying ourselves food. And we're believing God for a move. We're preaching salvation. We're laying hands hands on the sick. Miracles are happening. We're believing God for this mighty move. And then 2005, a hurricane comes and wipes out our entire congregation and destroys our city. God, I was believing you for a revival and you sent a hurricane? <laughs> Can I tell you to this day, there were people in that congregation that hit in 2005, that to this day, I still have not seen them in person. Are you serving him for what he can give you? Are you committed to him for who he is? You want to know what the test of real spiritual maturity? Do you break off when it don't go your way? Do you stop worshiping when you don't see the fulfillment of what you've been asking? Do you stop praying when a little bit of adversity hit your life? Because as soon as God told my wife and I go back to New Orleans, homeless, no house, no congregation, destroyed building, no money, we said we're going, God. We went with a word by faith, not by a promise from man. And I'm not saying that because we're anything. I'm saying it because I know what it feels like to have to walk through real adversity and keep worshiping Jesus when you're not getting what you want. It would have been easy in that moment to get offended and say, God, we did this for you, so you should do this for us, Jesus. Did you send us to New Orleans or should we look for another one? Mm. Did you send us to Elk Grove Harvest or should we look for another one, Jesus? Did you send us that Pastor 
John and Elizabeth Smith, or should we look for another one? Oh, I'm getting in your Kool-Aid today. I'm getting all in your, your prayer journal. I'm getting in it today. I'm getting in your prayer closet right now. I'm getting in your gossip session. I'm getting in it this morning. Stop putting an expectation on God that God didn't tell you he was going to do. God never told John the Baptist, I'm going to deliver you from prison. He never gave him that promise, so it's not a promise that's failed. Jesus doesn't fail his promises. John thought that Jesus was going to rescue him from prison. Can you stick when it's not going the way you want it to go? Can you stay committed to the cause when it's not going the way that you want it to go? Yes. Or is this thing with Jesus fair weather? It's sunny and bright, 80 degrees, no humidity, Jesus. I'm down with you. I got my sunshade, Lord. Oh, rain, adversity, wind, flood? No, no, no. I didn't sign up for that, Jesus. Mm-mm. Don't let people who are in their feelings speak into your ear. People can cause you to stumble by doing that. If they're in the spirit, they will give you divine perspective. But if they're in the flesh, their, com their conversation will become a stumbling block to you. John needed to tell his disciples, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth and start praying. Shut your mouth and start praying. I know who Jesus told me he is. I was there when I baptized him and the father opened up the heavens and said, this is my son and who I am well pleased. I saw the Holy Spirit come on Jesus. I know who he is. And just because my circumstance doesn't look the way that I thought it would does not mean that he changed and my heart, my attitude towards him is not going to change. You can zoom in on me. Give me, give me, a, give me a little zoom action. <laughs> I don't know if you can discern these two pieces of bread, these two banana walnut loaves. Amen. If you have another allergy, you can't eat this. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> these two pieces of of walnut banana bread have the exact same, exact same ingredients minus one. One didn't have baking soda in it. However, when they were in their preparation stage and the liquid form, they looked exactly the same. Your eye could not discern any visible difference between the two. I'm about to preach right now. <laughs> you ready for this? Are you ready for this? It wasn't until... The loaves were put in the fire. That the fire revealed the actual form and the condition of the bread. The loaf that had all of the ingredients in it when it was put in the fire came out exactly the way that it was supposed to come out. 
the loaf that was missing, the one ingredient, when it was put in the fire, did not show forth and come out in the condition that it was supposed to. The fire revealed the condition of what was on the inside. The fire revealed the condition of what was on the inside. Because before the fire, they looked exactly the same. But when the fire showed up, it revealed which one was the real loaf with all the ingredients mm. and which loaf was lacking. The devil did not send the fire. God did. Ooh. You have the version of who you think you are. And then you have the version of who you really are. And only the fire has the ability to show you which one is which. Come on, worship team. Mm. Mm. Jesus, 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 Jesus. He sent his fire to test them. The testing of your faith that is more precious than gold is tried in the fire. Everything that's dross, unusable, it rises to the top because of the heat of the fire. Everything of substance and value remains at the bottom because it is what is necessary and needful. Whatever rolls to the top through these 14 days of glory that you're looking at and say, God, this is no good. You need to bring it to Jesus. Say, Lord, you can't use this. It's missing something. I thought, I thought, I thought, but I, apparently I was incorrect. Every hurricane we went through, every betrayal and backstabbing, Every lie, every accusation, every time somebody rolls up against us over the 20 plus years, every time it revealed what was on the inside of John Smith, it revealed what was on the inside of Elizabeth Garcia Smith. Every time something negative happened, it revealed what was on the inside. And then there was one point where the fire hit and nothing rose to the top. And God says, now you're ready. <laughs> now you're ready. Now you're ready to go to the next level. Now you're ready to enter into the promise because you're not going to react based on your circumstance. You're going to move based upon the promise. Ooh. Some of us have not been given the why of our circumstance. 
and we are struggling in our hearts due to the lack of divine communication or a lack of divine understanding. But Jesus wants to show you this morning that he is who you thought he was even if he doesn't do what you thought that he should have done. Amen. If you've been struggling to understand what the Lord is doing in your personal life, in your family, in your finances, in different circumstances, maybe in your job, maybe in your place of employment, maybe with school, maybe in some difficulties that have been prolonged way longer than what you thought they should have been, and yet they still have not broken, even with the fasting. I want to pray with you this morning. I don't want you to be like John the Baptist saying, Jesus, are you the one? Or should we look for another? I want you to say, you know what? Like Job, though the Lord slay me, yet will I praise him. God, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm not going anywhere. Oh. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.